welcome to everybody, wherever you're dialed in from. The other day, uh, I was walking down the street with uh, Charlie, and uh, Vicky was attending to some business, and a lady was walking around, and I could tell it was the people that hand out religious paraphernalia. And um, I, do I have a sign on my forehead that says, save me, I'm lost? Because these people flock to me, Right. <laughs> And uh, I, I always don't really know how to approach these situations, but, you know, I was trying to avoid it, but it was coming head on. And so, sure enough, here she came, and uh, she had the material, and, um, you know me, I don't say much, so she just, uh, and I, but my, well, I was wondering, like, they were going door to door, and I'm walking down the street, so I'm just wondering, what's the opening pitch, right? You're not knocking on my door, what's the opening line? And... She, she was good. I got to tell you, she was good. She was well-trained. You know what she said? What kind of future do you want for that little girl? I was like, oh, you're good, ma'am. You, you are good, right? And, uh, and then she said, what kind of a future do you think the world is going to have? Now, listen carefully. Um, I threw her off. Because I'm on the opposite of most religion. I said, I think it's going to be amazing. No, 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 some of you don't clap because that's not really what you think. You're on her side. And as soon as you get out of here, like, ah, no, it's all going to hell. Rah, 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 rah. You buy into it too. So in case you need a verse or two, in case you need some scripture... I won't read the whole passage, but I would just throw it out there. Here's what I would. And so much religion is there. It's, it's all going to hell and it's all. And I got the one key to the, the, but listen, it misses the big picture, the big picture. So sometime do yourself a favor and read the eighth chapter of Romans, right? Where Paul says it's all going somewhere good. And he says this. That's why he says, I don't think there's any comparison between the present hard times and the what? Say it together. The what? Good times, brothers and sisters. There are good times coming. It's right there. Good times are coming. One, two, three. Ready? Good times. Well, that's not what my pastor told me. That's what my priest said. Well, just listen to Paul. What the heck? Upgrade. Huh? Now, are there hard times? He started with other hard times. Anybody having a hard time? Huh? I'm only just getting here was a hard time. No kidding, right? Dear God, when are the kids getting ready? Can you get in the car, please? Right? Huh? Anybody who lost their temper? I'll give you a free confession. I won't look. All right, there you go. <laughs> Some people are pointing other people out. That's kind of mean. I mean, it's hard. Like, life's hard. Life's not easy. There's hard times. Are there hard times? Yeah, there's hard times. So what a lot of people do is they say, see, it's just getting worse and worse and worse, and it's all going bad, it's all going to hell, and oh, man, right? And hunker down and get into my church, and we'll share canned dog food together from the church basement and get through it all, right? Bunker down mentality. Paul gives this metaphor. He's like the... He goes, let let me read the next verse. The created world itself can hardly wait for what's coming next. Huh? You ever been there? Some of you need to get your youth back. 
right? Your inward youth. You can't wait for the next thing. Can't wait. So this idea that it's all going down, it's all terrible. Paul throws out a metaphor, a metaphor that we need. Ready? Pregnancy. Huh? Just a show of respect, all the pregnant ladies in the house. Anybody? No, I'm slept in. I'm watching online. All right? Pregnancy. So Paul uses the running metaphor in Romans 8 of pregnancy. By the way, he talks about the resurrected life throughout the chapter, so don't make me read all the verses. Just, just, it's about the resurrected life. It, here's what it's about. It's about instead of clapping for Easter, which we do, dressing up for Easter, which we do, huh? That's fine. But clapping for Easter, dressing up for Easter, going out to lunch for Easter, those are all fine. But what Paul is saying is, participate in Easter. Participate in it. That is to say, the resurrection life is yours to have. That's the plan. And he says, like pregnancy, things are difficult. Now, I understand some ladies will say, oh, I love being pregnant. They're lying. Just know. I mean, just know they're lying. They want to make themselves look good. Or, oh, I never had any problem. I loved it. That's just not true, right? But maybe there is an outlier or two out there. But the reality is, the reality is, right, uh, I just spent nine months with someone doing this experience. And she's a good soldier, but it's not happy. <laughs> Uncomfortable, body's not functioning right, not feeling right, not, right? I'm worried about that. Nothing's right. So... This must surely be the signs of a bad thing. Or, what? Something really good's going to happen here. Something really good is going to happen. That's the story. Instead of buying into the story that, oh, see, it's getting worse, it's getting worse, and I can show you, I can go back and show you pastors and sermons and pamphlets, and, and every time there's a big news story, they throw it out on their pulpit, and they go, look, I told you, it's all going to hell, I told you. And then what they say doesn't happen, and life just keeps going on. Why? Because, of course, there's hard times. But that doesn't mean it's going somewhere bad. That's just the introduction to my message. You know what the message is called? This is going to be good. Huh? You ever sit down at a meal and go, oh, this is going to be good? Huh? Anybody? Oh, this is going to be good. Look, the life that we're living, it's going to be good. And death, we know that that's, that, that's just a change of how we relate to life. Even science is showing, the story of the resurrection shows us that death doesn't win. It's not the end. It just sort of changes your address. And really, science is teaching us this, that things don't ever really die. They just change. Two things I want to tell you today. First, there's always hope. There's always hope. Always. Always always hope. I watched the worst movie the other night. The worst. Castaway. <laughs> the most hopeless movie ever. Dear God. 
just like hopeless after hopeless after hope. Anybody? Oh, man. Well, son. You know, he's like falling in love with a volleyball. Dear God. And then the volleyball leaves him. Are you with me? I mean, if you give your heart to a volleyball and that leaves you, you're hurting, bro. You got... Now, look. It, it just felt hopeless after hopeless after hopeless after hopeless. And then he gets rescued and you're thinking, yes, there's hope. And his wife is with another guy. Are you with me? I, oh, please give me some hope, right? And if you see the very, 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 very end, right? These little wings that are symbolic of this. And it's on this pickup truck of a hot chick driving away. And you just get this little glimmer like, well, maybe there's hope. But in God's movie, there's always hope. That's the story of Easter. The story of Easter is simply this. There's always hope. Always live with hope. Always live with expectation. Always live with the idea that no matter how difficult or dark or disturbing what's happening in my life, there is hope. It can always change. Resurrection tells us it can always, always get better. Somebody asked me a while ago, how do do you prepare your sermons? And I go, on the back of an envelope. (laughs) Hope the sermon gets better. There's hope for the sermon. (laughs) The scriptures, they lived with what you would call ridiculous hope. I mean, you would look around and say, well, there's no, there's no chance to hope. If you know the story of Ezekiel, the, 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 the valley of dry bones, you know, he's taken to the valley and it's full of dry, crusty bones. And he's asked the question, can these bones live? Can they live? And that's the same question that a lot of people are asking about their life, about their circumstance, about their trial, about their suffering. Can it get better? And so I just keep going back to Paul. Paul was saying, you don't look at pregnancy and the trials and the suffering of pregnancy as it's leading to somewhere bad. You look at it as if, yes, it's bad, but it's all leading to somewhere what? Good. This is going to be good. I mean, the next time you're listening to the doomsday, and I'm telling you, it's where the news and religion are in cahoots. Why? Why? Listen. Listen to me. Fear sells. Why was the opening line for me on the street to get into this particular religion? A fear line. Because you guys buy that stuff. It's the lowest motivator, right? It's the lowest motivator for human beings. And of course, if we need to survive, it's a kick, it's a kick in, of course. So it's there, it was there for survival reasons. But my friends, you can't let fear lead you around by the nose. Instead, we need faith. And so what happens is you have fearful circumstances. You have difficult challenges, of course. But what we have to learn to do, this, listen, is we have to learn how to settle in the present moment even if we don't love our circumstances. 
Are you ready? Accept the moment that you're in. Can I give all of you a free bit of peace? Like peace here? This is free. Accept the moment that you're in, even if you don't love the circumstances that surround you. This is, this is a key to life, actually. Some people are always trying to change things, change things, change things. And I think we should advocate and, and be a part of change for the better in our life and in the lives of people around us. We have the ability to bring change. But sometimes what happens is because all we ever think about is change, 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 we never accept. And so we aren't happy right here, right now. Now, everybody look here. Your ability to accept your present moment right here, right now, is your ability for happiness. If you continue to tie happiness or fulfillment to when I get this, when we get through this, when we arrive over here, when you've surrendered your happiness. Accept the present moment right here. I'm going to be happy. I'm happy. Things aren't perfect. We're going to keep, but I'm happy. Are you ready? For some of you, this is a big leap of faith. We're going to say it together. I'm happy. One, two, three. I'm I felt better. A couple of you smiled. Happy. Things aren't perfect, but I'm I'm happy. I'm at peace. You see, the biblical idea was you, you, you can have peace regardless of your circumstances, not because of them. What you are sold from the time you wake up in the morning to the time you go to bed at night and if you fall asleep with the TV on all through the night, is what you are sold is you can be happy if. You will be happy when. It just comes at you and comes at you and comes at you. So you buy it. But instead, our present circumstance, we could say, I'm happy right now. I'm just going to pause. And I want you to think about how happy you are. Now, when you think about how unhappy you are, don't think about that. Think about how happy you are. Think about how blessed you are. Think about how good life is. Think about how good God is. And say to yourself, this is going to be good. Accept the present moment. Jesus said it, right? Don't worry about what? Tomorrow. Where do we lose all of our joy? We, we lose it in tomorrow. We're always chasing. Now, I want to say one more thing. This is about two things. The second one is this. You can always have hope. And the second thing I want to say, the Easter message is this. You can always change. You can always change. Now, um, anybody grow up in church? How many, are, how many are like going to real church after this to get credit? Some of you are like, yeah, a couple. Um, I, I get it. I get it. <laughs> um, you, you, you learn some things and you grow up in church. And one of the, thing, the things that you learn is this word, repent. One, two, three. But it's usually like, repent. Vile piece of manure. Sinner in the hands of God's wrathful, right? Repent, right? So actually, 
actually word. It's not actually a religious word. It is now in our culture. Anybody ever have a like strategy meeting with your core team and say, "Hey, I want to repent off of that one." Never does it come up in the boardroom. No, no. Is it used where? Where is it used? In church. But that's not actually how it started. It was actually used other places, and then the, and then the, the writers of the scripture go, oh, that, "That's a good word." Metanoia, change, change. One, two, three, change. Change your mind to change your direction. Change. One, two, three, change, change. So repent, the churchy way, has the idea that uh, God's mad at you, straighten up, or a spanking's coming. Is that kind of how we got it? Is that, that's how I took it mostly? Okay. But if you were in a strategy meeting with your team and you had all of your team leads together and you got together and you're like, what we're doing isn't working well. Our strategy's not working. We need to repent. We got to what? Pick a new direction, strategy. That's all it meant. I mean, you can read Josephus. You can read history. They, you know, talking to one general, one Roman general saying, instead of going this way, metanoia and go that way. Repent change. So, so too often, the idea of changing has been this. Fear, and it, God's mad at me, and, I've, and he wants me to, he's upset at me. But can we just take all of that and just stick it way over here? In fact, way over here. And what if I said, let's not think about change or repentance as an obligation, but as a opportunity. And then here's the thing you got to do. You got to ask yourself some new questions. Not, is God mad at me or none of this, but here's a simple question. How is this working for me? Right? What you're doing, what you're pursuing, the way you're pursuing it, what you're involved in, how my approach to life, my approach to people, my whatever, just a simple question. Just say, just say, how is this working for me? And if the answer is not so much, then you can repent. Nah. You have the opportunity now. Now it's in front of you. So I needed a song. I needed something to drive this home. And I asked the team, I said, could you come up with a song of repentance? And so they're going to come and do a repentance song for us today. Give them some love. Tell me something, girl. Are you happy in this modern world? Or do you need more? Is there something else you're searching for? I'm falling And all the good times I find myself longing for change And in the bad times I fear myself
Tell me something, boy. Aren't you tired trying to feel that boy? Or do you need more? Ain't it hard keeping it so hardcore? And I'm falling in all the good times I find myself longing for change and in the bad times I fear myself I'm off the deep end watch as I dive in I'll never meet the ground crash to the surface well it can't hurt us we're far from the shallow now in the shallow You gotta let go. You gotta you gotta trust. You gotta try. And here's why we don't change. Here's why we don't metanoia. What? Because we're holding on to something that's familiar, even though it's not as good. And I can tell you, person after person after person, story after story person that had a job, didn't like it, got fired, was terrified because they got fired, and found themselves in a completely new job and goes, oh, my word. I had no idea what I was missing. Um, years ago, I'll tell you this quick story. Years ago, um, I, had an, I had an accountant, and, you know, like, I don't know, you don't, you don't date accountants, right? You just pick one. Accountant, accountant A, he's in... You know, you look him up, and there he is, and he comes and he does things for you. And uh, I don't know what accountants do. He says certain things, and you give him certain answers. And I always had this feeling like, this guy's, nah, he's whacked, you know? Like, this guy, I mean, not, he's a good human being, but not a good accountant. And, and, and so I, I had him for years and years and years. And then um, I, I finally met a, a friend of mine who goes to church here now who's an accountant. And he came to a meeting with this guy, and I said, I go, can I ask you something after the meeting's over and the accountant left? I go, is that guy any good? He goes, he's horrible. <laughs> like, 
oh, that's what I thought. But I didn't know because you don't date accountants. I mean, you don't get a chance to go through 30 of them in your lifetime. You just pick one. This is important. Some of you, you don't know what you're missing because you're holding on to what's familiar. Jesus said it this way, unless a seed falls into the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. This is your life. He's talking to you, right? You, you got this kernel of wheat and you don't want to die. You don't want to let go of that one thing. You don't, you don't want to go in underground. You just, I can't let go of that. I just hold on to it. And so you're staying there. But he says, if you die, if you participate in Easter, instead of just clapping for it, if you die, you resurrect. If you die, then your seed becomes a multitude of seeds. You get to participate. You can change. Remember after Jesus is resurrected, he's talking to Mary. And he says, don't cling to me. Don't cling to me. Why was Mary clinging to him? Because that was familiar. Because that was safe. This is the time to stop being safe and familiar. It's time to change. It's time to go into the deep. It's time to venture from the shallow end, my friends. Why are you holding on? Just because it's familiar. So I'm going to read to you before we share communion. And this is the message paraphrase. This is from Romans 8. Listen. So don't you see that we don't owe this old do-it-yourself life one red cent? You don't owe your old life anything. There's nothing in it for us. Nothing at all. The best thing to do is give it a decent burial and get on with your new life. God's spirit, what? Beckons you. There are things to do. There are, what? Huh? Give it a burial, bro. Huh? Tuck it in. Put a little marker there. This is how I used to live. This is how I used to think. This is what I used to be about. This is my old thing. This is what God has. The resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's an adventurous, expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? What's next, Papa? We're going to be celebrating our 20 years, and we're going to do a thing called the next 20. And that's what I'm saying. What's next, Papa? Huh? What a, what a ride, man. We're, I'm going to be telling you stories. They're just unbelievable stories. Highs, lows, ups, downs, right? Twists, turns. Who knew what was going to happen in 20 years in your life? Who knew what would happen in 20 years of Orchard Grove? And who knows what's coming next? I've always been the advocate of the Abraham, you know? He followed God but didn't know where he was going. So when people are out saying that about me around town, he doesn't know where he's going. You say, darn right he doesn't, just like Abraham, no idea. But he's, <laughs> but he's trying to hear. Just try to hear. Dive in deep. Ready? There's always hope. Always hope. You can always hope.